0: Yours, mate. Amen. Thanks, Scott. Well, good morning, everyone. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy new year. Uh, today, start a new year. Maybe I'll talk about something light and fluffy, or maybe not. Uh, the scripture is a powerful tool. We all know that. Now, in the wrong hands, it can also be a powerful weapon, can't it? Now, let me tell you a story. So, there was a story of this lady who, she'd been at a night church service and she came home and she found a burglar in her house, okay, and she shouted out, Acts 2.38. Now, as all good Christians know, uh, Acts 2.38 is, you must repent of your sins, be baptised in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, the burglar immediately froze and she was able to call the police. So she called the police and they came and arrested him. And the police, sergeant, whatever, was kind of confused and asked the burglar, um, why did you freeze? Well, she yelled out she had an axe and 238 pistols. Anyway, I heard that one from um, Bill Johnson, so I've got to give him credit for that one but I thought it was a bit fun to start off today. You see, so the scripture can be used as a weapon, all right? And sometimes it is used as a weapon. Now, what I'm going to talk about today has some, is some difficult scriptures, all right? Difficult scriptures that have been used potentially as a weapon. So I hope today, as we look at this, It's not light and fluffy, just warning you, okay? You'll get some freedom on the other side because we know that God is love. But sometimes we read some scriptures and we go like, I just don't know what to do with that. Or we apply them in a really bad way. So, are you ready for some controversy? All right, we're going to talk about difficult scriptures about women this will either get me thrown out of the church or you know alright so we have some examples Uh, what are we going to do about difficult scriptures, let's have a look at the next slide Okay, so we've got some doozies here the first one is go to the next slide thanks, and the first one what do we do with this first one should click on it, and it hopefully it will appear. Women be silent in the church. Ooh. Next one. I do not permit a woman to speak. And the last one's a real doozy. Women will be saved through childbearing. Whew. All right, all the good stuff. All the good stuff. Has anyone ever heard sermons on these? Mm-hmm. Right, it's not talked about often. So how do we take these? How do we you know, take God's unconditional love and how do we take the law of Christ, you know, which we know God is a good God, and how do we balance it with these scriptures? Today I want to talk about restoring this kind of balance. All right, You see, we here in the vineyard, we hold a position... Of equality with men and women we allow women to talk we allow women to preach our senior pastor is a woman it's not just kirk it's kirk and nicole she is the senior pastor men and women should be working side by side all right but we are built differently but we are made equal so maybe all this is stuff is fine with you and you don't need to deal with these scriptures maybe you looked into us and you're all okay with it maybe you've just sort of looked at these scriptures and oh I don't know what to do with that. All right. So hopefully today we're going to dig deep. Okay. So I hope your brains are working. Hope you've had your coffee. All right. Now first let's talk a little bit about context. All right. So I've got a little audio clip. Okay. It's for you to listen to and we'll talk about context. Okay, so whenever you're ready. Hopefully we'll get that clip playing.
1: Telstra moves more Australian jobs to call centers in no, India. It's a, in <laughs> <laughs> a telemarketer. Welcome, up. please, to Telstra customer service. How huh? may I be helping you? Oh, yeah, I want me mobile in Warragamba. What? what? Uh, pardon? What? You're kind of repeating location, sir, please. Warragamba. I'm in Warragamba. Just pospilation. Warragamba. What, 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 what? We're repeating, please. That's Warragamba. I'm pospilation. I'll go. I'm Worry Muddling Home. I'm not finding a postal code for Worry Gumbling Muddling Home. Listen, Sunshine, don't worry about that. The point is... My landline's cocktail. Cocked? Cock? cock what is cocked? Well, it's it's it, it stopped. <laughs> stopped! Well, what do you mean it is stuffed? You are not to be stuffing telephones. You are to be talking into them. What have you stuffed it with? Oh, look, mate, don't come the raw prawn. Raw prawn? You have stuffed your telephone with raw prawn? No, no, no no no, 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 I'll start again. My phone's not working. Well, of course it's not. If you have stuffed it with raw prawns, it will not be working. Eventually, it will be very smelly. Oh, look, look, Just forget I ever said raw prawn. Excellent. We are not specializing in seafood issues, sir. This is Telstra customer service. If you are requesting a recipe for line for crustaceans, I will kindly be transferring it. <laughs> no, 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 no. Listen, it's Boom, Mahatma, it's packed up. Ah, well, unpack it, and it will not work if it's in the box, especially if you have stuck it with raw plums. No, 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 no. not packed up like that. The lion's gone dead, buddy. My name is not Buddy. My name is Rajiv Pillai of Whence are you calling from? I told you, I'm calling from Warwick. Oh, ah, I found it here, Westminster, isn't it? You are being in the United Kingdom of Great Britain. No, not? no, no. Why did you not bloody say so in the past, please? All right,
0: we get the idea. There's communication bra- bla- breakdown. That's the word I'm looking for. The guy from India, he thinks he stuffed his phone with raw prawns, you know? And so he's probably gone back and told... This the guy from Australia stuffed his phone with raw prawns, you know? Context is everything, okay? Context is everything. All right. So... With that, we're going to start at the beginning. We're going to look at Genesis 2:21. Okay, so I think I got a slide on Genesis 2 for the scripture there. So the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took part of the man's side and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the part he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. And the man said, "This one At last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This one will be called woman. Now, most translations use the word rib here. Okay? God took Adam's rib. And I can remember an old story when I was young, you know, that someone said, well, this is why men, all men, have less ribs than women. Okay? And I believed them when I was probably 10 years old. No, they don't. It's kind of a Christian myth that's kind of being brought up. You know, we all have 24 ribs. But back to my point. The point is, in the Hebrew, it says, from the man's side. Okay? And Adam says later, this is flesh, my flesh of my flesh, and bone of my bone. It's not just a rib. Some guy thought it would be helpful to say, oh, it's man side. let's translate that and use it as rib. But the point is, when we start focusing on this word rib, we can make up these myths, we can make up these, you know, um, things that we w- miss the point about. Women are just a little rib. Is that true? Is that the point? Absolutely not. What's the point of the story? The man goes on to say, this is flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. This is a statement here of equality. Okay, Adam is acknowledging that Eve completes who he is. Eve is just like him. Flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. You see, God previously had brought all the animals to him and said, is this one going to help you with your loneliness is this one he needed an equal partner and that was the point of a t- god taking flesh and bone from his side not his head not his foot it symbolizes this side by side equal partnership yes adam was created first okay but they were created equal your father was created first doesn't make him greater than you, all right? Your parents were created before you. It's symbolising side-by-side equality, all right? Now, we fast-forward this story of side-by-side and we fast-forward to the flood with Noah, okay? So, the story of Noah is kind of like a reset um, of the seven-day of creation story, and Noah... Is told by God, go into the ark, accompanied by your sons, Ham, Sheph, Japheth, and along with the wife, and their and your sons and their wives. So Noah is going into the ark with his sons by his side, and um, his wives and his wives' sons behind him. Okay. Now God says, "We're going to hit the reset button. Noah, I want you to come out of the ark." with your wife beside you and your son and your son's wives beside each other, two by two. Okay, we all grew up hopefully with a two by two song. But unfortunately, it says in the text, Noah comes out together with his sons. Oh well. Things go a bit pear-shaped. But we, what we have here is God's intention. Okay, God's intention is restoring the side by side. Okay? Noah messed it up. We mess it up. Thousands of years later, we're still struggling with this. So that's the ground, the ground rules, I guess. Now we're gonna look at our first difficult New Testament scripture, which is First Corinthians 14. Four, you can all prophesy one after another. You can all learn and be encouraged. Indeed, the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not characterized by disorder but by peace. As in all the churches of the saints, the women should be silent in the churches. They are not permitted to speak. Rather, let them be in submission, as in fact, the law says. If they want to find out something, they should ask their husbands at home, because it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in church. Did the word of God begin with you, or did it come to you alone? If anyone considers himself a prophet or spiritual person, he should acknowledge that what I write to you is the Lord's command. Now, this is a very misunderstood piece of Scripture, okay? And I hope to show you that in that reading, it actually means exactly the opposite of what you think it means. Context is key. You see, even reading the Scripture in the English, to me, it seems quite strange. It's kind of disjointed. Do you get that feeling? Like he's talking about prophecy, then he talks about um, women being silent, then he sort of says, did Scripture begin with you guys? And then he kind of summarizes and says, therefore... Everyone should prophesy. His conclusion is everyone can speak in tongues. So I hope for even from a plain reading in the English, this, um, this seems a little bit weird to you. And translators know this. And they, in the Greek, there is no punctuation. All right? So they don't know where the sentences begin and the sentences end. So some translations, now go back. Um, At the end of verse 33, it says, Peace, for God is not characterised by disorder, but by peace. Full stop. Other translations put the full stop after saints. For God is not characterised by disorder, but by peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Full stop. Okay? So what are we to do? Now, I'm going to show you the answer, and then I'm going to explain how we get there. All right, so the next one. All right, so let's read it again from the top. For you can all prophesy, in turn, so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. The spirit of the prophets are subject to prophets. God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints." So Paul is ending his thought here. Everyone can prophesy this is the end of his thought. The next section is a new thought, but it's not Paul's thought. Okay? He is quoting from a letter that has been written to him, and I'll show you that in a bit. He takes part of that letter, writes it out, and... I've put it in quotations. Women are to be silent. They are not permitted to speak, but must be in submission as the law says. If they wish to inquire about something, they are to ask their husbands at home, for it is dishonorable for a woman to speak in church. Now, Paul then takes this phrase from the letter that is written to him, writes it out, and then he sharply rebukes them. Did the word of God originate with you? Are you the only ones it has reached? If anyone considers him a prophet, let him acknowledge that what I am writing to you is the Lord's word. Therefore, also, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy. Do not forbid speaking in tongues, but everything must be done in an orderly manner. Does that make more sense? even in the English. So, how do we know that this is a quote? Well, firstly, I didn't make this up. I'm I'm not making any of this up. Okay? All right? Trust me with that. I'm not that good. Well, firstly, we know it makes sense because Paul... Is no longer flipping his thoughts like a madman. Yes, you can prophesy, but women can be silent. But everyone can prophesy. So we know that Paul's not flipping out like a madman. Okay. The other thing is, is it says, as the law says, women should be silent. It's not in the law. No Old Testament scripture says women be silent. This is not Scripture. Paul knows Scripture pretty well. So where is he getting it from? Most likely in Corinth, they had some problems with women they were trying to sort out. Okay? And they're taking a local Roman law, okay, of meeting. You know, when women meet, they can't talk during Roman law. All right. So it's not even in Scripture. And then he rebukes them. Did the word of God originate you? You guys, you're making this stuff up. It's not scripture. Am I the only one it's reached? That's Paul saying, you guys have got it wrong. This is not scripture. What you're trying to do is not good. Context, the whole context of the passage is about allowing people Um, to speak in tongues and to prophesy, both men and women. Now, the other piece of evidence we have is 1 Corinthians 7. See, Corinthians, as I mentioned before, is a letter that Paul was writing to the Corinthians. They had previously written him a letter. We don't have a copy of that letter. All right, it's been destroyed for whatever reason. But it says here, now in matters that you wrote to me about. And once again, in the Greek, they don't have quotes, but if you look in your Bible, the translators have put in quotes in this section because it's pretty obvious. It is good to abstain from sexual relations. Then Paul goes on and talks all about it. All right, So hopefully, in the newer Bibles, they'll start to get this right and end up clearing up a bit of confusion. Because I'm sure Paul would rebuke us sternly for um, trying to silence the women. Let's look at another passage, 1 Corinthians 11. I praise you for remembering me in everything, for holding in the traditions just as I pass them on to you. But I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ, And the head of every woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonours his head. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonours her head. It is the same as having her head shaved. For if a woman doesn't cover her head, she might as well have her hair cut off. Excuse me. But if it is a disgrace for a woman to have her hair cut off, or her head shaved, she should cover her head. Okay. So firstly, Paul just said women can prophesy with their head covered. We'll get to that bit. Okay? So it's more evidence that women shouldn't be silent in the congregation. We'll get to the head issue as well. So let's talk about that first. You see, the word "head" in English um, you know, it can mean a few different things. All right. So does it mean an authority structure? We kind of think headquarters, a place of control. All right. Is Paul talking here about headquarters a system of hierarchy or control? I don't think so, because Is the Father in control of the Son? The Father is the head of the Son. Is that how the Trinity works? Aren't the Father and Son in unity? You see, if you use the word head as the word control or authority, you immediately have a problem with understanding the Trinity. The Father and the Son are one. Another way to use the word head is the Father is the source or the origin, okay? A bit like the headwaters of a river. The place where water begins is also called the the source or the origin of where the water is. There is no implication of control. This is how things were ordered, how the flow of life was created, So if you use the word of head to say the Father is greater or more important than Christ, immediately you've got the wrong meaning. Okay, But if you insert the meaning that the Father is the source of everything, you've started to make more sense. The flow of blessing comes from the Father. He is the origin of all creation, and He made everything through His agent being Jesus Christ. The Father is the source of all. Just as in the man's creation story, the man was the source or the origin of woman's creation, flesh and bone. Man is the source or the origin of women. Does that make sense? It's not, he's not talking about control or authority. He's talking about order of how life and creation flows and headwaters of a river is a good way to think about it. Okay, everything flows from the source of the river, wherever that is. The Father is the source of life, and life flows through the Son, whom, through whom all things were made. Life came to Adam's body when Eve was created, but it all flows from the origin of the Father. Now, it goes on to say, every man praying has his head covered, dishonours his head. He's having to go at the men now. So it's not all just women. So, firstly, who is the head of man? What does it say? Christ is. So if I pray with my head covered, it dishonors, dishonors Christ why is that context is everything at the time when the Jews would pray when the Romans would pray when they worship their gods in whatever way they commonly covered their heads and they did it as an expression of their unworthiness to speak with God face to face But Paul says later in Corinthians, with unveiled faces, we all reflect the glory and being transformed into his likeness. So Paul is now saying Jesus wants to meet with you face to face. Don't dishonor what he's done for you. He's given you freedom. He wants to meet you face to face. Let Christ be your source of transformation. He's talking about a custom of their worship that is kind of outdated with the new covenant. And it's kind of like the prodigal son as well. You know, the story where it's like, I'm not worthy, Father. Come into my house. You are my glory. Come face to face. Meet with me. Now, then he speaks to women who are the glory of man. So... Who are the women that are the glory of man? The ones that are married. He's not speaking to all women. He's speaking to the married women who should have a sign on their head of their marriage. Okay? In other words, if you are married, you should have a sign on your head, just as these days you wear a wedding ring. Wedding ring. All right, A head covering was a sign that she was married, just like a woman wears a wedding ring today. If she didn't cover her head, she was saying she was unmarried. We have wedding rings. It's a cultural custom. And why should she do this? Do I have it there? I don't think I've got it there. But it says she should do this because of the angels... Whew, now that's a weird one. She should cover her head because of the angels. No wonder we don't understand. So, the word angels in Greek Ollie, means messenger, angel, pastor, or leader. Now, have you ever noticed, reading the first few chapters of the book of Revelation, John's writing these little letters to the seven churches. He's writing them to the angels. He's writing a letter to an angel. Have you ever written a letter to an angel? It's a little hard to post. Okay, It's most likely a messenger, Okay, someone who runs, delivers them, or it's the leader or the pastor. So getting back to the woman, why she covers her head is because you might get messengers from other churches, you might get people that come in and they see all these women with heads uncovered. They're not wearing their wedding rings. It's the same kind of concept. Context is everything. Now, the shaved part. It's a little weird as well. Now, what I found here, and don't have perfect answers for everything, is there's most likely an association with temple worship, pagan temple worship back then. And the temple prostitutes would shave their heads. So if a woman had a head shaved, you know, there's an implication. Sorry, if a woman had her head uncovered, Paul is saying, you're acting like one of the temple prostitutes, okay? So there's most likely an implication to that. So that's the best I've found on that one. Now moving on to the last one is 1 Timothy 2. In like manner. Do we have 1 Timothy 2 there? Also the women, in becoming apparel with modesty and sobriety, to adorn themselves not in braided hair or gold or pearls or garments of great price, but which becometh women professing godly piety through good works. Let a woman in quietness learn in all subjection, and a woman I do not suffer to teach, nor to rule a husband, but to be in quietness. For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was deceived, but the woman having been deceived into transgression came and she shall be saved through the childbearing if they remain in faith and love and sanctification with sobriety women will be saved through childbearing and you thought angels was weird so I thought Jesus saved needless to say some cultural context is needed OK, why does Paul's writing to Timothy? Why does he sort of talk about Adam and Eve, you know, in the middle of this? So if we back up, Paul is writing to Timothy, and he's spent a long time in Ephesus. Because Timothy is the pastor of Ephesus. He spent three years uh, in the house of Tyrannus teaching in Ephesus every day, it says. And then he enacts, I think it's 18, he gets confronted by Demetrius, I think I can't remember this exactly. Um, the local businessman, because Paul is preaching Christ, and Demetrius is worried about uh, his livelihood being taken away because he's selling little statues of Artemis. So ends up he ends up, um, you know, with a rabble shouting, "Great!" People are shouting, great is Artemis of Ephesus for over an hour. That's how deep the culture is in this place called Ephesus in regards to Artemis. Now, Artemis, just for reference, is the same as uh, Diana. So the city, it's built around the temple of Artemis, and it was a woman's cult. They took the story of creation and they reversed it. It was man's fault we fell into sin. Woman is greater than man. Woman should rule over man. This was their teachings in the temple. Woman were to dominate the men or their husbands. And when you worshipped in the temple, you would have your temple dress exactly what Paul's talking about, elaborate hairstyles with pearls. Paul is not saying these things are bad, but he's saying you don't need these things. They belong down the road because you're identifying with Artemis. You're identifying with temple worship down there. You should be clothed in good deeds. It's not about showing off your stuff here. It's not about you dominating men. So, Paul mentions these things with good reason. He's not against hairstyles, pearls. They have an association with the worship of Artemis. And he says all these things generally to all women, okay? If you look at the text, he talks about men and talks about how men should do things, how women should do things. Now, then he changes... To, and talks about the singular, and he talks about a woman. Now, he talks about a certain type of woman. So if a certain type of woman comes into church, and she comes from this temple, she's going to think that she is superior than you, because that's her culture. All right? She will want to dominate you, give you orders, but you need to sit her aside and help her understand Um, the correct order of things. She needs to sit and learn for a while just to get that culture out of her because they believe it was man who was deceived. And then he has a go straight at the Artemis cult. He says, no, it was Eve that was deceived. He's putting in the correct order, okay, of the way things were. If a certain type of woman, or similar, comes from the Artemis cult into the church, don't let her use her culture to dominate you. Let her sit and learn the order of things. This is what it means to be in full submission. Because it was not man who was deceived, it was Eve who was deceived. And how was Eve deceived? Satan tricked her. And the woman who comes in can be just like Eve, is what he's saying. She thinks she is superior to man. And remember the story of Eve? She thought she was superior to God because she was tricked by Satan. I hope that helps. And lastly, the ultimate weirdness, she will be saved through childbearing. So it's not talking about how many babies she has brings her salvation. Back in the garden, there was a prophecy given to Eve. Her offspring would rise up and one day crush Satan's head. The childbearing is the offspring of Eve. He's talking about the same thing how Christ will crush Satan's head. In the same way that Eve will be saved, this woman will be saved. God will crush Satan's head in her life. And it goes on and then says, through the childbearing, so Jesus will crush it if she goes on with love, faith, holiness, and self-control. So it is a good model of salvation. Now, I've written this out just to help you understand because this is a pretty wild uh, scripture. So if we could go to the next slide. The kind of women who dominate men will be saved through the promise to Eve, which is Christ, as they pursue love, faith, holiness, and self-control. We've made it. You can take a breath now. We've covered a lot of ground, I know. And, you know, I seriously hope, you know, we, we, as I said, we have a good understanding of equality between men and women. But sometimes these things, you know, they're just like, these are weird. And when you look into them, there's good answers. Okay. Some other quick examples. We, we have also in Romans 16 an apostle called Junia. Some people that like to change the scriptures try to make that a masculine name. All right. Junia is based on the name of the god Juno, which helps women during childbirth. There is no man in the first century with the name Junior. We also see the story of uh, Apollo and who he was taught by, Priscilla and Aquila. Priscilla's name is first, which means something. We also have the story of Mary and Martha, you know, where Mary doesn't do any work and just sits at the feet of Jesus. Okay, and Martha's running around doing all the work. Mary has taken the position at the feet of the rabbi, which is the place a student learns and sits. Now, I haven't made any of these things up. Okay, this is all just putting these ideas, reading them with a context. You know, not like that guy in India who's probably telling his friends about the guy in Australia who stuffed raw prawns into his phone. Okay, we want to read the scripture with with context. Okay, the Bible is amazing. Okay, it can be a weapon, or it can be something that sets you free. Now, I'm going to pray for freedom. Okay, that this stuff. If you've held on to it for some reason, if someone's spoken to you in your life or whatever, we're just gonna set that stuff free. Doesn't belong here anymore. If you need more information, more understanding, you know, I'm available as well. So why don't you stand with me?